Good morning. Wonderful to see all of you here. Am I on both mics? Am I good? Am I good? I, ooh, that was loud. All right. Glad you're with us this morning. My wife, Melita, is an amazing teacher. If you ever get the chance to see it, that's not her, by the way, that's a stock photo, but I thought it illustrated it really well. But she's an amazing teacher. If you ever get a chance to be in her room, you would see a master at work. And it's not simply because she loves her students or because of her test scores, but it's one of her tactics that I've always admired. I use it myself. The kids will probably get rambunctious because, as you know, teaching is sometimes like herding cats. But she can pull them right back in. And what she'll say is she'll, she'll brag on a student. She'll say like this, I really like how Chris is sitting still up front. And everybody, oh, see, Hannah just sat right up. And they'll, they'll all just, oh, they'll start sitting real still. I like how Brother Danny put his, his name on his paper and everybody remembers to put their name on the paper. She loves her students, and they know that she loves them. And so they want to be admired. They want to be noticed. They want to be recognized by her. They spend a lot of time together, and it's, it's apt to happen. But they want to amaze her with their behavior. We're going to talk this morning about faith that amazed Jesus. The question is, who do you want to amaze? Do you want to amaze the popular kids at school? I hope you want to amaze your spouse. I hope you want to amaze your family. Because you see, who we want to impress, who we want to amaze, says a lot about what we value. It says a lot about what is important to us. Do you want to amaze Jesus? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So if we want to be pleasing to God, we have to look at our faith. And faith can be looked at in many ways. There's many different facets of it. We're going to look at three examples today of people that amazed Jesus. And not all of them are positive. But through, three, through these three examples, hopefully we'll see better how our faith needs to be. Let's turn first, please, to Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, we read of the Syrophoenician woman and about the faith that she had. As Jesus was going throughout His ministry, He would, of course, go from town to town, and, and the disciples would be there, and, and they would proclaim who He was. And so, large crowds would begin to gather and hear what Jesus was teaching and see what Jesus was doing. And people had faith in who He was. And here we have an example of a, of a, of a Syrophoenician woman, not a Jew, Someone who wasn't necessarily waiting on the prophecy of Jesus because of her family lineage, but because, <clears throat> but because rather she had heard about Him. 
Matthew 15. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly <clears throat> demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She's begging him to heal her daughter. And he says, I'm, I'm here for the Jews first. I'm not here for you, woman. You know, you don't take the kid's bread and give it to the dogs. You're supposed to give it to the children. But she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish and her daughter was healed at once. Jesus was amazed at this woman's faith. What can we specifically learn from her? If we want to have that kind of faith, what can we learn? What else is going on with this woman in this passage? Number one, she faced opposition. This is evident. Do you ever feel like Jesus isn't listening to you? He ignored her. He was ignoring her at first. You know, there's probably a lot of people screaming his name, wanting his attention, and he just ignored her at the outset. You ask, and perhaps you feel sometimes that Jesus isn't listening to you. This woman, no doubt, felt the same way. With her, being a Canaanite, being a Gentile, there was to be a delay in Jesus blessing her because she was a Gentile. The, the message, the Word of God, would eventually go to the Gentiles as it has. But at this point, Jesus had to focus on converting the Jews, reaching them with the message so that they might go out and teach others. So she faced opposition from directly from Jesus Himself. And the disciples even asked Jesus to send her away. Send her away. She's, she's being a distraction, Lord. He's trying to have a conversation. Perhaps they're trying to teach others as well. And this woman is begging Him my daughter is demon-possessed. She was persistent. She was persistent out of a love for her child. If something happened, was happening to our children. Certainly, I think our faith would be tested. But I know for certain that our prayer life would increase tenfold because we were worried about our child. As she was. She was persistent in her love for her child, but she was also persistent in her faith in Jesus Christ. She had probably gone to, to other people, trying to heal, get them to heal her, perhaps trying anything that she could. But then she heard that Jesus, the Son of God, was in town. And she knew that's the place that she should go. She knew that's who she should go and talk to. And she did not stop. She would not stop. Whenever you think... Additionally, how, how people were viewed in those days, particularly children, the lowest, particularly women, not much above them. You know, why would Jesus listen to her? Of course, He did listen to those people in many ways and was bringing about a cultural change in that day. 
But that's one of the reasons the disciples said what they said. Send her away, Lord. Send her away. Be, be done with this woman. But she would not stop. Have you stopped having faith in Jesus? Have you even started? Because you can be actually your own opposition in believing in Him and having faith in Him. Many people see the Christian life as having too much opposition. We grow impatient. Jesus is he's taking too long. I prayed for this this morning. It hadn't happened yet. Jesus is taking too long. Part of having faith is being persistent. Part of having faith is waiting on Christ to do things in His time. And when this happens, when He's taking too long, many people will stop praying, they'll stop worshiping, and they'll quit trying altogether. Well, if Jesus won't help me, I guess I'll just start living like the devil. I guess I'll just start praying to Him. Satan's going to answer those prayers. Prayers to live a life that sends you to eternal punishment. Prayers or motions that break your homes, that, have a, that result in a broken life. All because you turned away from Christ. Satan's ready. Satan's there. He'll take you. He'll take your soul, take every one of you. We cannot give up on our faith in Jesus Christ. He's not a genie in a bottle. We've got to remember that. Just because we, we ask for something, poof, it happens. Sometimes the answer is no, and in looking back on that answered prayer of no, sometimes we realize how good it was for us. Faith sometimes can be a complicated thing. Don't be a quitter, though. Faith makes you press on and persist. Whenever I'm on a trail, a hiking trail, I haven't been in a while, let me know if you're interested in going, but whenever I'm on a hiking trail, I have faith that I'll reach the end. Whenever we go to our jobs throughout the week, we have faith that we'll get paid at the end of the week or sometime during the month. We should all have faith that if we live for Jesus, that He will bless and He will save us. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 is what Peter said, and there is no, there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. No one else has the answer. Only Jesus saves, and yet we turn away from Him on a regular basis, and we believe other things will save us, other things will bless us, and they just simply will not. Well, this was a spiritual test for the woman, no doubt about it. She had had faith, she had probably heard Jesus before, and now had a tremendous amount of faith that He would be the one to save her daughter. And so she rushes up and wants to be heard by Him, wants Him to heal her daughter, and probably people are still pushing her back. But she will not stop, and it was a spiritual test for her. For whatever faith that she had, or whatever Christian practices she had at that time, she had faith that Jesus could save her daughter, and she would not stop. This was no doubt a spiritual test. Well, I don't like the sound of that, Dale. Spiritual tests. I have enough tests as it is. Well, we must endure spiritual tests. We expect in our day and age immediacy within our lives. Things are so convenient. You know what I like on my debit card? I like that touch, right? Man, that's pretty slick. That's pretty slick. You just take it and touch it. Oh, i got to slide it. Ugh. You know, so inconvenient, right? That's how bad we're getting. That's how bad we're getting. I really appreciated uh, a restaurant 
this week that posted something along these lines. A uh, barbecue place in town, the Meat Sweats. I they talk about Perry's, but the Meat Sweats is pretty good too. Well, they posted on Facebook because I think people are growing increasingly impatient. It takes them 16 hours to smoke the meat. takes up to four hours to cook the sides. If you have to stand in line for 12 minutes and that's too much for you, you know, maybe you need to find a quicker place. Good things take time. Good smoked meat takes time. Developing, <laughs> developing spiritual practices, developing a solid spiritual life takes time. And you are going to have to endure some spiritual tests if you are going to reap those blessings that come from having a faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes His blessings are delayed. But be patient and be persistent and you will be blessed. Next, let's look at Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we read of the centurion, an unlikely person to have faith as well. That's one of the, the biggest things of these first two that we're talking about. These, these are unlikely people who had the amount of faith that they should have had. Unlikely people. The Syrophoenician woman and now the centurion. A Roman soldier. Not just a soldier, but a commander in the Roman army. Luke chapter 7 and verse 2. And a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored Him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to Him, for He loves our nation. And it was He who built us our synagogue. Normally, we are, we're hard on the Jewish elders of Jesus' day, but here were some who were actually going to Jesus and, and believed who He was, and they were going on behalf of the centurion. More on that later. Verse 6, Now Jesus started on His way with them, and when He was not far from the house... The centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. So he sent the Jewish elders, and now he's sending friends of his. But just say the word, he says in verse 7, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority which so, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him, and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel, not even among my own people, have I found such great faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. What was it that impressed Jesus about the centurion? It was his faith, much like the Syrophoenician woman. And as in her passage, we do so in this passage, get a large window into the life of this man. This man, first off, was humble, despite his high-ranking position. Verses 6-8 through eight talk about this. He did not see himself as worthy. He sent the Jewish elders. He sent some friends with a message. He saw the power that Jesus had. He knew the power that Jesus had and what He could do. The centurion didn't consider that he should do something 
But he only went before Jesus with the, with the messengers to the one who can make it. He had faith in Jesus and he sent people. He says, I'm not worthy to be even in front of you, Lord. This is a centurion. A general in, in one of the greatest armies at that time that the world had ever known. And he is saying to himself, I can't go talk to this carpenter from Nazareth. He is so great being the Son of God. The centurion's faith had a humility that would be difficult for many of us to understand. For we think sometimes that we are doing it all. That it's because of our faith, because of what we do, because of who we are, that we can get through things and do marvelous works. And we forget. We forget that it is Jesus whom we need to trust in. And it is Jesus with His power that can do great and marvelous things. 2 Corinthians 12, Therefore I am well content with weaknesses. Paul understood humility. He was okay with being weak, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. I want Christ to be out in front of me. I want my friends to see that all I have to do is ask in this moment with the centurion, all I have to do is ask and He can heal my slave. I want my friends to know and to see that for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You can't depend on man. But you can always depend on Jesus. So how is Jesus working in your life right now? Are you able to see His blessings? Do you feel His peace? Or are you trying to do it all yourself? In our first point, the Syrophoenician woman, things take time, and they certainly do. But James 1 and verse 6 also tells us, but he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. We must have faith that when we ask Jesus, that He will be there for us and accomplish what we ask of Him in one way or another. The centurion also was high in character. He had a tremendous character. And that's something that a lot of us forget about these days. Not being a person of character. He was a Roman soldier. And we see this in verse 2. And his slave couldn't work. And the centurion actually had the right to kill the slave because of this. He was of no more use to him. But the centurion thought well of this slave and wanted to see him healed. Verse 3, the Jewish elders went to Jesus on behalf of the centurion. The Romans were, in many cases, were oppressive to the Jewish people. But this centurion had done marvelous things for the Jewish people at that time. And in verses 4 and 5, the Jewish people actually go to Jesus and vouch for His character. And the centurion had built their synagogue. They thought a lot of this man because he had such high character and moral standing. And we read a tremendous passage in Titus chapter 2 about Paul instructing the young preacher Timothy. And for our young men and our young ladies, as we consider how you go about in this life, this is a wonderful verse to reflect upon and thinking about what it took. What did the centurion have to do to get those people to believe in him in such a way and to vouch for him? It was because of his character, because of who he was. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. For all of us, what is our speech like? 
What about our doctrine? How do we act? Are we dignified? How are we acting? How, what is our character? Why, why is all this necessary? So that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Has a rumor ever started about you? Maybe somebody you know, spreads this rumor and it hurts. But then the people who really know you, they say, you know what, I know him. I know her. That wouldn't happen. He wouldn't do that. She wouldn't do that. That's the type of character. Adults that we should be living, that's the type of character that we should be putting into, nay, shoving into our children so that as they grow and develop, they can stand before their peers. They can stand within their family and be someone that lives above reproach. Someone who has high character similar to the centurion. Jesus was also amazed at this last group. But not for good reason. Let's turn to Mark chapter 6, please. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. There's actually a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 13. It's interesting to look at that if you'd like to in a little while. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him in such miracles as these performed by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. <laughs> Sounding pretty good there at first, wasn't it? Is this not Jesus? We know his family. Look at his wisdom. He's the carpenter. I'm still sitting on his chair that he made me about ten years ago. I'm still using that. Is this Jesus? What did they say? They took offense at him. Not this guy. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his own relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered. He was amazed at their disbelief. So you work all your life to become something. And you'd think your hometown would be proud of you. Now would you? Maybe I'd get invited to graduation to speak. No. Not even career day. Carthage ain't called me up. Asked me to come out and speak to them. All I ever hear is, oh, there's Dale. Remember in third grade when he jumped off the monkey bars and broke Stephanie Qualls' leg? Y'all remember that? That really happened. I hear that all the time. Forget about the good things maybe, maybe I've done in my life. I don't know. But I hear about this. Much the same thing. Maybe when you go home, what do people say? What do people say about that? Well, even Jesus was facing this dilemma. The people of Nazareth could not believe that this was the Son of God. They could not believe it was Jesus who would run in the streets as a child, who would do all those things that some children do. They knew His family. We see this in verse 3. But yet they couldn't see beyond what they already perceived Him as. They couldn't see beyond the impression that they had. It was grounded within their hearts. And people do this today when they have an opinion formed about Jesus. 
And maybe that opinion was formed early in life, perhaps from a, a parent, perhaps from a misguided teacher and, uh, or you know, a congregation, and, and they get these, these bad feelings whenever they think of Jesus because maybe He wasn't taught to them in just the right way. Or maybe their heart is hard for any number of reasons. At any rate, they aren't willing they aren't willing to give Jesus a chance because they already have their opinion formed about Him. In what ways do you see Jesus today? Do you see Him as the Syrophoenician woman did? As someone who could heal her daughter? All she had to do was be persistent. Do you see Him as the centurion? A man who was so humble, he did not even want to go before Jesus and ask of such a thing, but he knew and had faith that Jesus could heal his slave. Or do you see him as the people in Nazareth did? A stumbling block. Someone who's in the way of your fun. Whatever that fun might be to you. But he's a stumbling block to you. Romans chapter 9, Paul talks about that how He was a stumbling block to the Jews. They thought they were religious. They, they thought they would be righteous. But Jesus was the stumbling block. Is He a stumbling block to you? You think, oh, I don't, I don't need that kind of life. And you're rejecting Him even now, just like people who were supposed to know Jesus so well, just like they rejected Him. And they questioned Him a great deal in this passage. They questioned His wisdom. They questioned Jesus' wisdom, the Son of God the omnipotent, the one who could quote Scripture, the one who was talking to people in the synagogue at age 12. They questioned His wisdom. But if you look at what He says, if you look at Scripture throughout especially, you can plainly see the wisdom that is there unless your heart is hardened. They also questioned His miracles. Jesus had performed many miracles and would go on to perform many others. But in this town, He could only do a few. We read of this in Mark chapter 6. Matthew chapter 13 actually doesn't mention the miracles at all. Perhaps there were only just a few who had enough faith that Jesus was able to heal, to heal them. But also the people questioned His works. Going about doing good, the people didn't want anything to do with Him. Too much in their way, I suppose. Too inconvenient, not immediate enough. So people decided, you know what? Jesus Christ is not for me. Jesus can work in your life. But you have to be ready to see it. You have to be ready to be persistent. You have to be patient. You have to be humble enough to see the wisdom, to see the things that He can do in your life. If you will but let Him, Jesus can change your life for the better. So how is your faith? Both the woman and the centurion amazed Jesus with theirs. In Luke 17, the apostles said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. He was talking about forgiveness. And they wanted their faith to be increased. And maybe your faith needs to be increased this morning. Where does faith come from? Romans 10.17 tells us. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You've heard this morning. Perhaps you have faith. Perhaps you have faith as a mustard seed. The tiniest of seeds. But which can grow and be a tremendous plant. How can we please God? As I said earlier, the only way to please Him is with our faith. Start this morning and grow in your faith so that you might amaze your Heavenly Father. If you're not a Christian, 
Come forward this morning. Let us baptize you. Or if you need prayers for strength or forgiveness, please come forward as well as we stand and sing to encourage you.